Have you ever found yourself after a game of D&D debating over a particular rule that came up and trying to figure out, as a group, how to break it? As a DM, do you get that feeling of dread when your player asks, if you look at it this way? Well, we decided to turn that into a podcast. A group of DMs come together every episode as we discuss how rules is written, we can figure out how to maximize what we can do with a rule, and how we can use other rules to break the game. Each episode, we will be joined by a guest, including DMs from some of our favorite podcasts, and get a sneak peek behind the DM screen from some of our favorite shows as they share their own thoughts and experiences on a particular rule and how it has affected their games. Please feel free to jump in on our discussions by leaving us a comment on Podbean, iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher, or feel free to email me at dm at dndraw.com, or send us a tweet to at rules as written and let us know how the rule may have come up during one of your games or how you figured out a way to break the game that we didn't discuss so thanks for joining us hey everyone i'm tony hi this is bethany hey this is rachel my name is joshua c mcmahon our topic today is how the character of drist breaks the game so when we were playing uh neverwinter some of the npcs kept calling him drizzit and it made tony want to go and like smash something (laughs) so the name is spelled d-r-i-z-z-t there's no other i drizzt i thought there was an apostrophe after the second yeah i think it's apostrophe z-t no it's actually not the apostrophe is in his last name though. oh that's right uh drizzt dorden (laughs) yes that yep Yes. That one. Obviously not a human name. There's somebody spiteful working at Wizards of the Coast. No, no, he's not. Who just makes these names impossible. So, uh, Tony, tell him a little bit about R.A. Salvatore, who we, we met at a convention. Yeah, actually, we we did get a chance to meet him. Uh, he's a really nice guy. And uh, one thing I actually really liked about him, talking to him a little bit, reading the books, I get the sense that he just, he seems in love with his own character. Just. He talks about how great Drist is and how fast he is and this and that throughout the entire series that I've read. And going to meet him and hearing him talk for a bit, uh, yeah, he loves his character. He seems completely enamored by him. He's a fanboy uh, of his own work, which I think is is kind of great that he writes the books because he loves writing them, not because he's doing it to cash a paycheck. Though he did comment that um, if he was really given the option, he's not sure he would have actually named him Drist Dorden. Apparently, the name just kind of like came to him, and he's like, yeah, that'd be a cool name. I don't know how to spell it. And of course, he pronounces it a little bit differently because of his accent, which I didn't know about until we met him. Um, I would, Tony, I would like you to do your impression of how he introduces himself. I'm not going to do an impression please, of a Boston please, accent. <laughs> no, no, no. You did it earlier. It was great. Oh, please. no. Boston? <laughs> well, of course, he's uh, Bob. Bob? Bob Salvatore. <laughs> Oh boy! Oh boy! I'm actually really happy I went into this knowing nothing because this is going to be quite the roller coaster ride. That was part of the reason we thought to bring it up because Bethany and I have both read some of the books and we can present some of the the cases we have while you two who don't know about the books um, can still compare them to the rules and such. Yeah, you're you're here as impartial judges because Tony and I are quite biased on this subject. So we're like a like an uninformed jury. We're just hearing it presented. <laughs> peanut gallery. We get to yeah, whatever peanuts. role you you want to do. <laughs> I like peanuts. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess Tony, will you give your your little brief review of the latest uh, book? Which 
came out, I think, like a month ago. I actually read the, uh, the, the most recent trilogy, the Homecoming trilogy, and just finished Hero. I actually, I enjoyed the book, um, more than I thought initially, and that's mainly because this is the first time in any of the Drist books that I've read that Drist isn't basically perfect. He has a bit of a Superman problem where you're like, and he's good at everything, and he always tries to do the right thing, and uh, uh it could be a little exhausting. <laughs> but just the, the fact that I do have an emotional kind of reaction to like, oh, I hate the fact that he does this, and he's always so good at this, and no one can ever <laughs> hit him. Um, it still shows that at least like, okay, I actually like the books. I like the story. I, I do enjoy it. Um, but to give you an idea of like how basically overpowered Drist is. Um, when he is five, quarters are placed onto his, his hands and well, he well, is to not, flip not quarters. Well, coins, <laughs> coins are uh, placed on his hands for him to flip one on each hand and he is to flip them and catch them each uh, coin in the same hand. This eventually increases until there are six coins stacked on each hand and he is dexterous enough to catch all six from the hand that he flipped them in the same hand that he uh, catches them in before they hit the ground. When he is five. It's totally doable. <laughs> Two things. <laughs> Two things. One, writing a character like that, writing a perfect character, is terribly boring writing. I don't understand. I guess he's just a very good author in terms of just the way he uses a, different word words. and. I think... How it's compelling is more about, like, what's happening. You're more, like, swept up in the adventure, I guess I'd say. At least for me, then I'm more like, how does Trist feel about this? Well, you know how he feels about this? I'm going to find out in his, like, five-page monologue. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, man. <laughs> but I'm like, all right, we'll get past this to where things happen and people get stabbed. Yeah, characters that aren't flawed, that's 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 just weird. But secondly, the the coin trick, flipping the coin trick... I don't know if anyone's actually tried this. It's it's not terribly difficult to catch coins off of your elbow. Six coins from his hands flipped in each hand, and he is to catch basically the six coins he flipped from his right hand, he has to catch in his right hand. And the six coins stacked on top, flipped in his left hand, he has to catch in his left hand. I'm a little confused. Maybe maybe I need clarification. Is this the thing where you where you put them on your elbow no, and then you from his hand. So you you throw coins into the air and then catch them again in the same you hand. Flick them like you would flick it with your thumb. When you basically you hold your your hand uh, in a fist with your thumb on top okay. and you pop them up in the air and catch them. I misunderstood. Mm-hmm. Yes, he was five. That is more difficult. And this is the first time he attempted this. Oh. Uh, uh. This was a test of his skill. Yeah, we're like, okay, so he had what would say he rolled an eighteen for his decks and then added two for being an elf. <laughs> he started off in life with a twenty dex decks. You sure he didn't just break the cap on the decks? And it's like no longer twenty, it's actually twenty five for him. Like, we're right. trying to keep this within five E rules. Yeah, so so Tony, take us through the stats. <laughs> Well, also, are the, are, just to clarify, too, are the books written for, I don't say 4 or 5e, but obviously 5e adventure stuff happens in tandem with the books. So is this sort of made for 5e? So something, is, is um, just to mention briefly, as new editions have come out, apparently uh, Wizards have actually specifically talked to the authors, uh, depending on the event, that something occurs and uh, the rules of the world are changing and the authors kind of work a little bit within that. At one point, 
uh, all the authors were told that now basically a hundred years passed in the realm. So they need to start writing from that perspective onward, um, because fourth edition was going to come out. And then there was another event within the books called, uh, the sundering, uh, in which was going to occur and change magic again. And that's about fifth edition, uh, give or take would come out. So the authors actually do work with Wizard of the Coast while they don't necessarily stat their characters as if it's based off the rules. There's still a correlation to when the different editions come out and how the books are uh, going time-wise. Okay. okay. Though R.A. Salvatore did say, I I read the 5th edition rules. I I don't actually use them myself. (laughs) He also might have asked us not to mention that to Wizard of the Coast. (laughs) He's like, shh, don't tell them. I've been using my own own rules, which he just released his own rule book uh, last year. Ooh. Yeah, for he has a whole separate magic system that's based on like spell gems, I think. That's for a different uh, book that he read. Yeah, that's that one you had on your counter. Yeah, so that's so that's what he's running for his home campaigns, which he's doing with like friends and family. Is that for five e or is that for four e or? It's a whole different system. It's actually not with D and D. Oh wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, a lot of similarities. It's it's definitely the same sort of fantasy world, but it's same feeling. Different yeah, yeah, but definitely very different rules. They're both pasta, but one's spicy and one's not. <laughs> Pretty much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Are you hungry, Rachel? <laughs> I'm always hungry. <laughs> You're like, let's get a food metaphor going. Um, <laughs> so I just thought that was interesting. So he definitely doesn't like build his characters into the rule set and then you know. Take it from there. For one thing, these characters have been around through multiple editions. Mm-hmm. At the know. very least, through second edition. Okay. I figured it wasn't totally built off of the current rule set, but I knew things lined up and not having read or know anything about the books, I was just curious. Yeah, so I realize we've sort of talked around what Drist is like. Um, Tony, do you want to kind of like, I guess, sort of elaborate on that a little bit? Just sort of on his overall persona and abilities and such? So essentially, uh, for anyone who doesn't know, also, uh, Drist is a drow elf, born in the city of Menza Bronzen, and uh, was trained initially to be a soldier there. He is, he's good. He is a good person in a city filled with evil. He was born good, is the understanding. He was always good. As he would state it, he can't deny what is in his heart. <laughs> <laughs> You're not cheesy at all. That is a common phrase said throughout the books, just so you know. Uh, oh boy. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> um, for a while he actually just left the city and lived in uh just the uh, the wilds of the underdark uh before eventually being trained by a ranger as he went to the surface since he knew the surface was probably the only place that his people wouldn't hunt him. And from then on essentially he's been considered just the ranger to this day even. Though stat-wise that doesn't actually make sense. Hmm. So that's sort of an overview on, on what he's like. And he's supposed to be very uh sympathetic and caring and very noble and looking at like, oh, we should avoid war because think of the repercussions, you know, years down the road because he's an elf and he has a long life. So he's a very long range view of everything. Yeah. Also, he's supposed to be incredibly optimistic about everyone and everything. Kind of like, well, I know orcs like to murder people, but, you know, what if there's good in them? Everyone's like, no, they're orcs. Like, (laughs) they're orcs. This is what they do. And he's like, but really, can't they rise above that? And, uh, well, I don't it's because he did. I don't want to spoil how that works out. (laughs) (laughs) He sees the sympathy because he's part of a culture that is considered completely evil, and yet he got out of there. That's mainly why. So that's a bit onto his character. That'd be... 
Uh, I'm really curious about these books now because that is tough. <laughs> uh, you should check them out. It, it it either works or it either doesn't. I mean, it's ooh, honestly ooh. my favorite Drist books are the ones where lots of interesting things happen and Drist is just sort of there. <laughs> where he's it's gotten to the point where he's not even the main character anymore. He's just like talked about. So he actually wasn't originally. He was a supporting character who got uh, elevated to a main character after his popularity rose. Wow. Yeah, he was originally just a Wolfgar, who I think we'd like to do an episode about at some point, who is a uh, barbarian, was supposed to be the main character because that's what uh, that's what they were looking for for the first book from Ari Salvatore. Because they're like, people like blonde, big, burly men <laughs> as their heroes. Ugh. So he added Drist sort of to be like, well, here's like a guy who'll be in his party. Yeah, they actually have their own uh, adventuring party. They are known as the Companions. There's five of them. Uh, Drist Orden, Wolfgar, Brunor Battlehammer, Caddy Bree, and Regis. Okay. And they're... They're all pretty overpowered, having several of them, you know, come back from the dead and, and, and such sort of things. I just figured we'd talk about Drist, since he is the most popular of the group. And the most broken, I guess we'd say. Or, or rather, the one who okay. breaks the game the most. <laughs> all right. So what what's some of the stuff that he does in the books that would make him a terrible character to play with <laughs> at the table. When the, the, somebody shows up, they're like, I've got this really cool character. I totally okayed with the, this with the DM. Let me tell you about his magic items. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, ignoring his stats for now, going okay. on to his magical items. One of the first ones that uh, he has is his scimitar known as Twinkle. Um, <laughs> okay. It's a very macho sword, okay? <laughs> oh, it's it's very, very impressive. So a lot of the stats that I got are based off of 3.5 edition. So kind of tweaking it a little bit to make sense in 5th edition is kind of what we're looking at. Essentially, Twinkle is a defender. A defender is a plus 3 weapon, but you can essentially change any or all of that bonus to your AC instead throughout your turn according to 5e rules. So starting with that alone, that is an item that requires attunement, and he uses this often to essentially just avoid attacks. Which is basically, we get the impression in the books that he almost never gets hit, but when he does get hit, he basically gets trashed. <laughs> Which kind okay, of makes okay. sense. He's, he's very much a, a dex-based character. His other weapon, uh, another scimitar known as Icing Death, is essentially a Frostbrand sword. What makes this one really, really special, though, is a regular Frostbrand adds frost damage to your attacks, you get resistance to fire damage, and you can extinguish non-magical flames. This is essentially a plus-three weapon, and can extinguish, at least partially, magical flames. In the books, at one point, he goes up against a demon known as Ertu, uh, a Balor. It's a CR-19 creature in the in the uh, monster manual, by the way. Balors are no joke. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the Balor creates a wall of flame, and he's able to partially extinguish it with icing death. Which is just not something you'd be able to do in the... In, no. It's in a magical sets. fire. I want that. That's yeah, right. you're like, you're like, can I... I'm sorry, I'm not offering any of these items in my game. <laughs> so that's another weapon that would require attunement. So he's going to break that, by the way, if you haven't figured that part out. <laughs> How many items does he have total? Just to placate my curiosity so he's had a, a bunch of different items but he essentially has like nine eight <laughs> oh my nine no i'm sorry he has um ten ten magical items not all of them require attunement just most of them <laughs> just most of them <sighs> and we have how many slots yeah three you get three, three attunement three. <laughs> slots 
How do you get an extra attunement? <laughs> you don't. <laughs> Here's an item, actually, that doesn't exist in 5e right now. Mm-hmm. They're supposed to be bracers of the blinding strike. So to give you a quick story on this, they're like bracelet bracelets, and they were given to him for winning a fight. However, when he put the bracelets on, he's already so fast with his swords <laughs> that it made him too fast, and he could not actually control his movements. So he switched them to anklets. He's so fast. He's just so fast that (laughs) it obviously could not be controlled. In terms of old 3-5 rules, these provided him a plus 6 to his AC (sighs) and gave him increase in attack and all that. I want them. Essentially, the closest thing I can come up with with this is that these are anklets that create a constant field of haste. Oh so that what that would mean is he gets double speed, advantage on deck saving throws, an extra attack, or an extra action in general, and a plus two to his AC. So Bethany, I'm going to be getting, <laughs> I'm going to be getting rid of this armor. Yeah, you're like forget this armor that I don't need. So uh, I'd really like some of these bracers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that you could just uh, you could pull an Uthal and just do all the attacks every single turn. Heck yeah! Yeah, I second this. Yeah. Uh, I would also like a uh, magical bracers of break the game. Yeah. Can we even yeah. like split it? I mean, you just want one a piece and you sort of share it. Yeah, we like share it. Oh no, 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 no! That would not be good because then you like, especially if you warm his anklet, you'd like hobble. <laughs> One foot would be moving really quickly. <laughs> I'd be like, okay, you should make a three-legged race check. Um, what would that be? <laughs> Dexterity? That's okay. We got advantage on deck saving there. It's a good now. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So that's just one item there. That's just one of his oh, completely overpowered items. Yeah. So th- let's talk about the armor, Tony, since Rachel brought up her armor. <laughs> well, he has uh, mithril chainmail. In old editions, essentially, it was a plus four mithril chainmail, but since that doesn't exist in 5e, we can tweak it down to a plus three uh, chainmail, which alone would give him an AC of 19. Just that. (laughs) Not including the anklets or his ability to turn Twinkle into extra AC. Also, what that means is because it's mithril, he doesn't take any disadvantage on stealth checks, and it has no strength requirement to use this armor. Oh, my goodness. All right. Well, one one thing I have to say, this has all kind of been pulled from 3-5, you said, right? Well, uh, as That was the last official stats on him. From Wizards. So these ACs, these numbers are coming from a 3-5 rule set. Uh, Tony's giving you his his take on a conversion. So the plus three is the what would be the fifth edition conversion for that. Right. And I, I can tell that. That's fine. That makes sense to me. The only other thing I wanted to say about the... um. Uh, about AC and older editions is that you could get it stupid high. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, and whereas in 5e, I think uh, having high ACs past 20 just to kind of stop being a thing. There's a few, but very rare. Yeah, whereas uh, yeah, whereas ACs of like 25, 30, you could kind of get a hold of fairly easily in, in older versions. Yeah, so Rachel, in, in uh, our 3-5 our campaign, what was the AC for my sorcerer? Nine? No. <laughs> I don't know. It was, it was really, really bad. It was abominable. Bad. And you had like 12 hit points. I eventually worked up to an 11, I think. But you also only had like 12 hit points. <laughs> I don't know how that character stayed alive. Very carefully. It's it's rather amazing. <laughs> 
Yeah. So I guess for a for a five E version though, this is all this is extra broken simply because these th- these items give crazy AC for a game. Everything's giving AC bonuses. <laughs> so just to comment really quickly of the items I've mentioned. He is still actually within the confines of the rules of attunement for 5e. Yeah. Because armor usually doesn't require attunement unless there's an additional ability it can do. Yeah. So at this point, you're saying he just has a really, really generous DM. Really (laughs) generous. But then I found out about a very special uh, shirt that apparently goes with this armor. It's called Adnan Silk Shirt. It essentially provides a plus five to his AC. (laughs) It also has a magical force that can protect vital areas of the wearer more effectively, and when a critical hit or sneak attack would be scored, there's a 75% chance that it is negated and just damage is rolled normally. That's broken. There is no equivalent thing to this in 5e that I can come up with. That is just broken. Is that attunement? Yeah, that that would require attunement, I'm pretty sure. But anything that would reduce a sneak attack by 75% is just crazy. So that's double resistant. Yeah, yeah. That's ridiculous. Actually, it's not that it would reduce it. The sneak attack is negated. Right, it's the cha- I yeah. mean the chance to reduce it is so high. So the 5% chance you have to crit? <laughs> well, uh, for for sneak for oh, add seven, uh, add, was it uh, 25% chance to actually get that crit on top of that. Yeah. Yeah. It, uh, that's disgusting. That's just broken. Think how awful that would be where you'd be like, I rolled it at 20. Oh, never mind. Yeah. Now oh, roll a D4 mind. and get a four. <laughs> yeah. Good luck. And if you don't get a four, you don't, it doesn't work. The only, the only other, the only thing that would help with is with rogues who always get sneak attack kind of stuff if they're flanking. Is if that they right? have advantage. Okay. Yeah. With advantage. Or an ally within five feet. So if a whole party of rogues <laughs> went to stab at him, then it, then then that twenty five percent would be better. So Twinkle yeah. also seems to have an added effect that he can't be mm. um, snuck up on. Yeah, he can't be surprised. Uh... So it's like a, a, a weapon of warning. <laughs> but because because it's not that he can't be surprised, because they would still get advantage in some of the cases where they have um, like if your enemy is alone and you're the only one attacking him, you get the advantage. If you have like pack tactics, that's advantage. That would actually work. So they, there's still ways to get around it, because it's not that you're surprising him, you are advantaging attacking him. <laughs> this is all not even going into his class ability. Yeah, oh, so you realize, guys, we've gone past, here's how Drist is broken, to how can we murder Drist? You realize we've made this this transition. We're breaking Drist. <laughs> yes. No, don't That's worry. what we do, we break things. <laughs> we might have to rechange. His, his stuff gets better. All right, all right. Yeah, Tony's building up to some of his other items. Tony, I, I get the sense that you don't like... The way this is put together, I, I can't see why. I I actually think he's. <laughs> I think it's jealous. Unbelievably overpowered, and I find it hilarious. Uthal wants to find him. You know, I think it's because <laughs> Tony knows he plays an overpowered character in my game. We all know it. It's okay. What? We accept it. Hey, I died. But he's like, hey, hey, hey! I'm not at that same level of ridiculously overpowered. Like what? Yeah, you know? I only yeah. have like. A 21 AC. <laughs> Plate mail plus one, and a floating shield, and a vorpal sword. Yeah, yeah that's all yeah, I have. Yeah, that's it. Only those three things. <laughs> Honestly, Tony, I kind of thought you'd be dead by now, so... <laughs> we tried. Not you, your character. <laughs> so you wanted to let him go with a bang, basically? Like, here's all the stuff. Good luck. Also, I <laughs> looked at the odds of him rolling as many nat 20s as he has. They're really... It was not likely that he would have Hey, I've killed three people with those nat 20s. <laughs> And one of them, you couldn't decapitate, so you just did a massive ton of damage. 
Massive damage. Massive damage. What is it? 8d6? Oh, no, no, no. I actually decapitated three different people. That was the other two that 20s that I rolled that I couldn't yeah. decapitate. So any DMs out there, be very careful about Vorpal Swords. It seems like it won't be a big deal, but it can totally ruin a lot of things for your plans. <laughs> I have a great monologue prepared. Vorpal Sword. <laughs> like, shink. Well. <laughs> or even accidental Vorpal Sword. Like, well, I just meant to sort of nick him, but uh, what? At 20, what can, nothing you can do. Make sure you take him alive. Yeah, well, uh, about that. Well, I mean, it's really hard to I was to do. trying to hold back. Yeah, until I cut their head off. So, um, then going into Driss' ranged capabilities. He has a bow called Talmaril the Heartseeker. It's essentially Aww. a plus three elven bow that converts any arrows fired from it into a bolt of lightning. <laughs> Don't the bolts of lightning, didn't I fire one of those yesterday's campaign? Isn't that like 68 damage? Yeah, yeah. It's it's quite a bit. I would take it in this case as if you fi- you take the damage from the arrow and maybe like 2d6 from the lightning. It's more like a lightning arrow than a bolt of lightning, right? Yeah. It doesn't actually pass through a bunch of individuals. It seems to only hit one, and it would stop there. But paired with this is a magical quiver called the Quiver of Anario, which provides plus one alchemical arrows, which I'm not sure what alchemical arrows are, to be honest with you, <laughs> but they're never-ending. <laughs> he has a never-ending supply of arrows from this quiver because it consistently regenerates it. So, wait, wait, Rachel, what does that sigh mean? <laughs> I want a quiver of javelins like that. <laughs> I just want to wreak havoc now. You're like, I just want to watch the world burn with never-ending javelins. <laughs> She's like, why does she have so many javelins? <laughs> for your lives. Yeah, because you guys are dangerous enough as it is. Mm-hmm. Change those to spears and I'm fine. I'm blown away. Is this is this is okay? An appropriate metaphor I'm gonna make right now is is basically like trying to buy a gaming computer. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, of course it's impressive if you spend all of the money on it and get the best parts. Like, how can it not fail? And there's more. Uh... So Drist Drist is kind of like Superman without kryptonite, unless his kryptonite is feelings. <laughs> <laughs> Unless he's emotional that day, yeah. that's that's the only way you'll get to him. And that actually happens quite a bit. Yeah, people are like, but we but we're trying. Oh, okay. So what you're saying is his sticks and stones will miss his bones, but words will cripple him. <laughs> yes, pretty much. Yes. <laughs> Today's episode is brought to you by Amazon.com. Now, despite giving it a hard time, we want to recommend the Drit series, starting with Homeland. This is the first book in a trilogy taking place before the Icewind Dale trilogy, which really kicked off the whole thing, but apparently everyone fell in love with Drits, so we think you should start here, because it goes further into the details of Drit's story and how he became to be the overpowered and feelings-driven drow he is. I can't speak personally on the series yet, as I haven't read it, but it may just take up Tony and Bethany's offer to borrow it from them. Unfortunately, that's not something you are able to do, dear listener, so I encourage you to check out the book on Amazon by clicking the link in the show notes or by going to rulesaswritten.club slash homeland. That's H-O-M-E-L-A-N-D. And by doing so, help to support the show, which really helps us. Thanks again for our sponsor, Amazon, and for R.A. Salvatore for writing an excellent series. You also have to mention his Pawafwi. Uh, yes, his Cloak of Elven Kind. I actually wasn't even sure if he still had it, but essentially it allows him advantage on stealth checks. But it's specifically a drow-crafted item. That he can use on the surface, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yes. Driss, a drow who 
all their race would actually be affected by sunlight just stayed on the surface long enough to not be affected by it anymore. <laughs> all right. So no disadvantage on that. There's just nothing wrong with him, essentially. It's, it's, it's just been written to where it's not possible. No, no, no. There's more. He has horrible acne. <laughs> no, he's actually supposed to be really beautiful. He's supposed to be incredibly beautiful because he's a drow. <sighs> I know. So, uh, so trying to be nice. Yeah, you're like trying to like make us feel better about ourselves. Like, well, no, like it's okay to not be perfect. Like, no. He doesn't put things back in the fridge. I don't know. No. He's a complete freak, and he has three nipples. <laughs> what fridge? Ooh, that would be weird. <laughs> he just puts it near icing death. It's fine. That's cold enough. The fridge or the nipples? Yeah, I'm about to say. Hold on, Josh. Which one's weird? <laughs> I, I, I think I latched onto the. I don't know what the other one was because I latched onto the nipple. Well, okay. <laughs> The other one was, was put things away in the fridge. We're saying the fridge. I pictured I pictured the three nipples, but like they all look really good. Like it's like oh no, that's, that's all like quality nipple, but it's just there's a third one. And it's like oh, what is that? I don't know. Who am I to judge? Drow. They're weird anyways. Poke it. You poke at it, and it's like, do you feel this? He's like, yes. Yeah, stop. Yeah, it. yeah. No. <laughs> yes, yes. Yes. They all have nerves. Get out of here. It's it's functioning. Oh, <laughs> oh god. <laughs> I love you guys, but sometimes. And our sponsor for today is Drow Milk. Let's not. So, uh, magic items, huh? Eh? So, Let's, uh... to finish off the little the list, he now uh, this is a more recent one, but he acquired a whistle that allows him to summon a unicorn <laughs> named Andahar, <laughs> as if it's like the summon steed spell, because he needs a, a mount, you know. Doesn't he have a tiger or a panther? Yeah, that's the final one I was getting to. Yeah, this is the, the okay. big one, the one that breaks everything. Because <laughs> nothing else did. So this is a figurine of wondrous power. Of course, there's no figurine like this in the Dungeon Master Guide for 5e. Hey, hey, you could get a goat, right? Or a lion. But a goat. Or a dog. But not a panther. Like, I know Ash is going to want one of these. Hell yeah. So this panther's name is Guenevar. It is a creature from the astral plane whose... All of its attacks are considered magical and basically acts completely independent of him. So he essentially gets all the benefits of having the ranger and animal companion class without actually having to go out and acquire an animal companion. And he can still go down the hunter route. Okay, so for reference, in the book you can get a uh, a griffin, uh, a fly, a lion, a goat... (laughs) A fly? Wait, like a fly? Like a bug fly? Yes. yes, like a like a giant fly. Oh, a giant fly. Okay, I was like, how is this helpful? Yeah, a giant fly. Yeah, lion, elephant, a steed, an, a dog, an owl, or a raven. Which I think is what I had, Rachel. Right at one point. Uh, yes, I believe you did have one in your game. Yeah, and I was like, that was cool. Giant flies are a thing because that sounds terrifying. <laughs> There's a picture. They they are. I don't know if you've seen the movie. Of what was it, the fly? But the, the fly. It's scary. Yeah, uh, it's there's a picture in the Dungeon Master's Guide of of the giant fly uh, statue or figurine. Page one sixty nine. Yeah. <laughs> For those of I'm you who are, right who are reading along, be prepared. <laughs> Ding. Turn to the next. I'm page. sure it will be terrifying. Honestly, it's the goat I was most excited about because you can get a goat of traveling, which becomes a giant goat that you can use as a riding horse. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that just really speaks to me. Because <laughs> um, also you get three goats. You get a set of goats. You could also get a goat of terror. What is a terror goat? <laughs> he, he becomes a giant goat for three hours, and you can remove its horns and use them as weapons. Oh, God. Like a plus. But it can't attack. No, but. That's weird. No, but, but 
But he's terrifying. He radiates an aura of terror. <laughs> I'm sure he'll also chew clothes and stuff, too. Yeah, yeah so. he just terrifies everyone. Uh, they have to make a wisdom saving throw or be frightened uh, of this giant goat. So weird. Now you go. You guys know what you've been missing. Ash wants them. <laughs> yeah, you're like, please, can I have one? <laughs> then let me take the other goats. Uh, the third goat is just a giant goat. Just a giant. But goat of terror. Goat of terror. So anyways, Guinevar was not a goat, but is a panther. Guinevar is not a goat. Guinevar is a panther that is actually faster than Drist. Mm-hmm. And of course, having magical claws and teeth can just tear across most enemies. And usually we'll pin them as Drist can finish them off. Uh, are you going to mention the Elder Brain? Oh, God. Please, please tell the story of the Elder Brain, <laughs> briefly. Oh, no. So, in one of the early books, Drist has been captured by Mind Flayers, and Guinevar, who realizes this, is able to cling to a Mind Flayer that came to observe her in the astral plane, ride the Mind Flayer back to the material plane, <laughs> in which she immediately killed the Mind Flayer and its ally, then rushed over and literally just dived into the elder brain. And it's basically described as just flesh and bits and blood all over the place. And she leaps out as, like, Drist comes to his senses and then dives back in. Well, explain why Drist was there, Tony. Well, he was there to massage the elder brain. <laughs> because whoa, whoa, because whoa. he had such dexterous fingers. <laughs> whoa, whoa, wait. My brains hurt. Brains? <laughs> Wait, hang on, hang on. I need a massage. <laughs> need a brain massage. Brains don't have nerves or muscles. I don't. Elder brains are, are special. Elder brains are special. special. Um, what is an elder brain? All right, all right, I'll mention that quickly. Um, an elder brain is essentially all of the brains from the mind flare colonies to ever have existed in one form. It basically gets absorbed into this single entity. So it's a singularity of sorts. It is, by the way, a giant brain. Okay. There's no words to describe how f- yeah, yeah. weird. Uh, Josh, Google elder brain, and, and that'll give you some great pictures. They have, like, tentacles. <laughs> but in terms of what happened, I, I can't even, like, mm. fall. Uh, uh, mm. Ooh, these are cool pictures. <laughs> They're neat, right? Oh, yeah. Wow. That's really good. I'll put a link to that in the show notes, because that's really, uh, that's some good art. They're huge. They're huge. Yeah. No, no. The panther dived in. Into it. There was had more than enough room for the Panther to be inside it. Yep. So that's Guinevar, by the way. So this is a lot like old style cartoons like He-Man, where everyone always like the bad guy loses, the good guy wins, and there's no problems and everyone laughs as the episode ends. Yeah, there's occasionally problems in the books, but Drist is always you know, always wins. Sometimes things go really badly for a while. Well that's why it's a series. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So Guinevar's awesome. I like Guinevar way better than Drist. She just focuses on getting the job done. I respect her. <laughs> I'm sorry. I still love the spot of Guinevar rode a mind flare back to the material plane. <laughs> that is pretty, pretty uh, epic, She actually, right? to be more specific, she rode its astral projection back to the material plane. Can you do that? Uh, she can. Uh, okay. 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 Never mind. Because she's a, she's an astral creature, right? So she just she is an astral creature, so she can actually influence astral bodies, essentially. So in that specific instance, that was uh the mind flayer using astral projection to observe her, not actually being on the mat the astral plane. It was not physically on the plane. Mm-hmm. So when she went to attack him, he was trying to get back to his body. Can you attack with astral projection? 
No. Okay, I didn't think so. Not that I'm aware of. But uh, now you okay. want to try, right? <laughs> I mean, now I'm curious. Uh, I this is it just sounds like so. Okay, so I'm not sure exactly what you had been planning for the rest of your detailed attack into these books, but is this a book you would recommend? Yes, actually. Okay. Okay. I thoroughly enjoy these books. The adventures they go on is actually really cool. Well, and afterwards, so uh, I wasn't able to read the latest three books, or I could have, but since we're in Out of the Abyss right now, there are some distinct spoilers for the campaign, Josh. Apparently, Tony says we're getting up to one of those points soon. There is one specific spoiler, which is who did it. Oh. And that's the, the biggest one. Who unleashed the demons? And you guys are actually getting to the point where you can find that out. And that's why I'm not mentioning yeah. that. So Tony's been okay. telling me about the books, but in like really cryptic roundabout ways, like, oh, <laughs> that thing where the person did the stuff. Oh, it made me so mad. There's no better conversation <laughs> you can have than with a DM whose campaign you're in. And he's like, I've got some really cool stuff planned where events yeah. happen and then you'll be surprised. Yeah. And you're like, that's the best. So I love that you guys aren't in mine because then I can yeah. be like, oh, I made this thing and it's really cool. Yeah. You're like, we're like, all right, let me tell you about what I'm doing with <laughs> mine carts. Yeah. This should come out after <laughs> the mine cart incident. So we can do it. <laughs> yes, I know. Otherwise I wouldn't have mentioned it. This, this should come out after. So I will say that uh, having read quite a few of the Drist books, when I was building my character for Tony's campaign, I wanted to build a drow ranger, and I realized I was in danger of accidentally building, like, female Drist, and that would not be fair to the other players. For one thing, I'd be even <laughs> more obnoxious than I am now, just That's in a possible? different way. Because <laughs> you must follow what's in your heart. <gasps> like, is that not worse than, than I think everybody's beneath me? I think it's better to be condescending than to be like... Follow your dreams. I think having a, I think having you as a drow tell me to follow my dreams, dreams with sincerity yeah, right? would make my head explode. Right, exactly. <laughs> like you'd be like, no, you'd be like, no, no, I'm sorry, get out. <laughs> I, I would be like the elder brain with a panther in it. It would just that would be what would happen. We'd have a whole mess to clean up. So yeah, so when I was mm-mm, building mm-mm. Uh, Aura, I was like, okay, well, it makes sense to play a drow in this campaign because that's sort of where we're starting out, and it'll give some advantages. But I don't want to play Drist because no one's gonna like that and i don't want to be drist because it just sounds exhausting having to be so sincere all the time you'd rather be awful <laughs> i'd rather be my poor my my she's not bad she's just broken a little, bit. Broken a little bit so uh you want to go ahead and mention the different classes you've taken oh okay so for building aura who was originally going to be a ranger i was like yeah i'll play a ranger in fifth edition it's going to be awesome at low levels i'll get all these abilities that will keep us from like i don't know getting lost and wandering off to our deaths which was a major concern of mine it really was uh or starving Mm -hmm. because we couldn't find food yeah the underdark is not a friendly place it is a terrible place it's terrible but I call it home. <laughs> so I was like, all right, I'm going to build this. And then I looked at higher level Rangers of 5th edition and it kind of just doesn't go anywhere. Oh, this is why nobody plays Rangers because they're lame. Oh. <laughs> That's okay. I will focus on stabbing things, which Rangers are good at to start. And then I will just do a class in Rogue and then I'll do some levels in Fighter. Oh no, I'm accidentally building Drist <laughs> with my stats. Yeah, to mention uh, a little bit on what Driss's old classes were. He has multiple levels in Fighter, a few levels in Ranger, and one or two levels in Barbarian. Whoa. Because he lived in the wilds with just Guinevar for And actually mentions he does go into a rage. So he is a 20-level character. <laughs> That's what I would put him at at this point. <laughs> the last stats okay. that they had him was a level 16 to 17 character. Oh, my goodness. He wasn't even level 20 <laughs> to do all that stuff? Yes. 
<laughs> Easy, Jack. It's okay. That's what I said. This is those okay. exact words. It comes down to genetics at this point. It's like knowledge. When I rolled up knowledge, because I'm glad that we had a chance to do rolled characters mm-hmm. yeah. instead. I think I've crunched the statistics, and, it, and you're more likely to get a better character instead of doing a point by system. Uh, depending on what kind of game you want to run. But it can be very fun to also have a gimped character if you want to make that an interesting <laughs> narrative decision. But sometimes you get crazy lucky. And with Knowledge, who is a sorcerer, <laughs> he rolled nothing below a 10. Yeah. It's all in the pluses. So that's what happened with Drist. He he rolled really well. It's genetic. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's just genetic. You can't beat that. Just to give some quick stats based off 3-5 edition Drist... He has a strength of 13, a dex of 20, a con of 15, an int of 17, <laughs> wisdom 17, and charisma 14. I wonder what point by that is. That, that's not that's a point by. No. <laughs> yeah, that's called cheating. Cheating. <laughs> I'm pretty sure if this was 5th edition, he starts with those stats, and then he just takes feats from there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So Because otherwise, you actually cannot dual-wield scimitars. Mm. That's another way he's broken. Right, Tony? Uh, scimitars are actually light weapons, so he would be able to. Oh, you would be able to. Okay. So the issue is he wouldn't be able to attune to all of these. <laughs> these weapons. No. No, he would not. <laughs> so he has the world's most permissible DM, where he says, hey, uh, can I um, can I have another item? Yeah, sure. Why Let's not? just throw these out the window. Take it. You'll never die. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which is, I think, why we all had the instinct to try to figure out a way to kill him. For spite. Well, just to see if it's freaking possible. Okay, here we go. I just did it. Um, 3.5 point by system. Um, I can only put his dex at an 18. I cannot put it at a 20. Add two for the uh, dex bonus of elves. Okay, if if he if he gets just a standard deck plus two, then this is this works out for the point by because the point by doesn't take that into account then. So for this point by, I was off the cuff. He is a 61 point by character. <laughs> That's a, and uh, what's standard point by? Is it is it 61? <laughs> I believe it's 25. Oh, so close. So, close. <laughs> so more than double is what you're trying to tell me. Uh, uh yes. Okay. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. I believe if you want high fantasy, it's 35. I think if you want lower fantasy, it's a little lower. And for 35, okay, so for weak it's 25. For powerful, it's 36. <laughs> for powerful, huh? So 61, would we just see that as, like, godlike? Uh, the only thing I could adjust now is he gets the plus two decks because of elf. Does he get any plus pluses or minuses anywhere else? In 3-5, I thought he gets a minus. Is it, like, to con? To con or strength, I thought. In that case, he's a fifth. I take one away from con, he's a 50. That's it? <laughs> well, that's so much better. <laughs> that's such a difference. Oh, it's so. minus two con. Plus two decks, minus two con. Okay, so then I'll put him at a... Th- 13 instead of a uh, 15? No, he has a 15 con. Oh, so I have to put him at a 17? Yep, yes. Oh, for freaking sake. That's 66 <laughs> then. That's a 66 point by character. That's disgusting. So we've already determined he has more magical items than he can attune to. His stats have to be rolled or, or just, no. just no. Just no. And even if you were to roll them, you'd have to roll almost perfectly. The lowest score he has is a 13. He cheated. Is whoever his player, yeah. his fictitious player, che- cheated. Uh, that's, that's ridiculous. I can't. I can't even figure that out. Okay. Um, so, okay. so does this make you feel better? I know there. Tony said that my my uh, drow ranger is is a bit overpowered, and now I'm like, she is. but like a tiny bit. But not bit. like this. Not like this. Like, I, I have three nice items, really great items that I'm attuned to, not ten that I'm attuned to. So, anyways, that's uh, 
So what do you guys think? Do you how would you feel if this was a player uh that joined the campaign? <laughs> this was their this was their character. And they came in with all this. Yeah, with all this stuff. So as a player coming in with all this stuff yeah. and he's the only one. Yeah. You yeah, know, yeah, like yeah. if we're all playing an OP party, then it can be that's its own kind of fun. But if if he was the only one, then it's like why why are we here, guys? <laughs> like what is this? What's the point? Us having a campaign with a whole bunch of level fives and one dude who's a level fifteen, it's like, okay, this might make for an interesting narrative, but mostly it's just it's just, just um awful. bizarre. He just this person rolls through and like does all the damage, kills everybody, and then you guys are like trotting like we're here. Yeah, everyone will be dead before you get to them. Yeah. And as a book, as a narrative, I know we've spent most of this episode bashing it. I feel like having a a flawless character is not indicative of good writing. I haven't done a lot of good writing, but no one ever sells me on, oh yeah, I've made a perfect character and he overcomes all his obstacles with no problem. The books do really well. He's incredibly popular. The books are very, very good. Mm-hmm. No, people like him though. I, I just say Tony and I, I think we are more offended by him because we're DMs. Ah, okay. I think that tends to be our issue. <laughs> this just okay. wouldn't work. Quick thing though. I just looked up in the 3.5, yeah. uh, which book am I in? I'm in the Dungeon Master's Guide. I'm not finding anything that says you're limited to uh, how many mm-hmm. items you can be attuned to. However, you're not. You can only have up to 12 items based on the locations of where you're wearing them. Yes, older editions didn't have attunements. That was one of the things that 5e had. But the idea is the the way he's built now should theoretically line up with 5th edition because the books are supposed to be lining up with the modules. That's kind of how yeah. I think we were examining it. So some of those would have to not be attunement items or he wouldn't be able to use them. Yeah, basically. He's still broken. He's still broken. You take away all his stuff, he's still really broken and really overpowered. I I guess it makes for good writing, though. I'll have to check it out. Yeah, absolutely. What's the name of the first book? Homeland? Homeland. Let me double check that. I mean, we we own them if you want to borrow, like, hard copies, and I have been getting the audiobooks from Audible because... I realize now it sounds like I'm plugging Audible. I really enjoy my Audible subscription. <laughs> yeah, um, the very first first book chronologically is Homeland. Um, the first book that was written actually takes place, uh, is actually the fourth book uh, chronologically. I thought you said it was a trilogy. Uh, I just read the oh. most recent trilogy. There's multiple trilogies. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of a books. Lot of them. Okay, I see it here. It's Homeland, the Dark Elf Trilogy, Part 1, Forgotten Realms, The Legend of Drist, Book 1. I really enjoyed it because it's just fun to see how evil the drow are. Like, what are they going to do this time that's going to be so evil? Because, you know, that's kind of like their specialty. And just to see how over the top it can get. Like, oh, they're going to murder children this time. That's pretty evil. But can they top that in the next book? Oh, they can. Oh, they can. And they do. Try over the worst. <laughs> I will mention, if you're looking for the first book he ever wrote on it, it's called The Crystal Shard. Mm-hmm. It's the fourth book chronologically in the story of Jesus. I would read them in the order that the chronology goes, just because it'll make more sense that way. At least that's I agree. we've been trying to do. Okay. Okay. So not in the order they were released, but in the order they're meant to be read. Yeah, I think so. Because yep. basically it's because yep. he went back and wrote these special Drist books after Drist became popular. Gotcha, gotcha. Like, oh, he gets a he gets a backstory now. Woo! A very in-depth backstory. So, the thing we have not mentioned in this is that our characters met Drist in Out of the Abyss. I don't know. If, do you remember this, Josh? I remember this vividly. <laughs> I talked to Guinevere. Guinevere. Guinevere? Yeah. But she just kind of gave me a look like, purr. No, but you still got the impression she actually understood everything you were saying, which she is supposed to. 
She gave you the cat look. <laughs> yeah, and just like just shy of a wink and a grin. Mm-hmm. But it was it was a good conversation. It was really cool. It was cool to meet Guinevar. And I think you hated Drist, is that right? Your uh, character hated Drist? Not hated, just despised. Like that's all. Um <laughs> Just despised. I feel like I feel like on the ranking of unliking people, despised falls quite a bit ahead of hatred. Not, not yes. for drow. Despise is like standard. I mean yeah. really. <laughs> like <laughs> Like if you're only despised by the drow, that's pretty good in their eyes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They only despise you. But she did have particular reasons why she would despise Drist because Basically, he's like, growing up, he, you know, went to Melee Magthore, which is where they train their fighters, and he did so well. And then he's like, I can't be with the evil drow, because they did do some evil things, and he just wanders out into the Underdark and lives by himself. For uh, a decade, by the way. Yeah, so my character, who's extremely young, basically is like, no, I'm going to change things. Like, I'm going to offer an alternative. You don't have to be evil drow. We're going to fix things because she's sort of in her own way idealistic. So basically she feels he copped out and just left. Yeah, and isn't it amazing that your character's not dead in Drow Society yet? What do you mean? <laughs> what are you trying to say? You're going to change things away from Lulf. It's going to be great. No, don't worry. It's all going to work out. Nothing fine. bad will happen. Trust in your heart. That's what you got to no, do. No, no, no. No, it's trusting in uh, logic and commerce, actually. <laughs> She's a capitalist. Yes, it's just, it's simply good business. <laughs> <laughs> but do you feel it in your heart? I feel it in my wallet, Tony. <laughs> Josh, if Ara ever asks you to, or tells you to follow your heart or anything like that, you will know she has succumbed to madness. <laughs> oh, okay. The only answer. Madness. <laughs> It's the only thing that explains it. You'd be like, oh yeah, I like something that. wrong with her because otherwise, no. So she just kind of felt like Drist was sort of this, I don't know, kind of lame, cheesy character that people thought were so great, but what has he really done? He he doesn't care about the drow. He kind of hates drow. He doesn't quite hate them. Mm, I, I guess if if he blew up with popularity and that's what people ask for, it must be good, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If that's what he started writing no, about. Yeah, there's, there's, there's a good level of conflict in the books. I think that's what people respond to. So... In summary, I guess you guys agree with what Tony and I thought, which is, since we met this character in the books, we're like, oh my gosh, he's so overpowered. <laughs> this is what we're going to have to do. I'm thinking we have homework now. Uh-huh. I'm thinking I'm going to have to go ahead and get a couple of these books, give them a read. Uh-huh. You said they're on paperback and you can do audiobook as well, yeah, yeah. audiobook format? Yeah, and, okay. I was gonna say, and I think the public library has uh, some of the audiobooks too if you do it through the app. Super. Okay. Rachel, you and I will have to go ahead and check these out, take a look and see what we we hear and, and come back with a more informed opinion on, on what's going on. But based on what you've told us, this seems like an incredibly broken character. Aren't there like 30 books? Yeah. No, we're not saying you have to read all the books. I'm a slow Just, reader. There's a lot of books. Uh, yeah, yeah. You may want to pick one of the uh, trilogies or something. That way you get a story thread. But Yeah, and then you can join us in the rant. What's the newest trilogy called? It is called Homecoming. We have them in hardcover if you want uh, to borrow them. And Homeland is probably something you'd recommend as a starter. I liked, I liked Homeland because... It tells you his origin story. And just, it's great to enjoy how evil the drow are. They're just so awful. Excellent. It's actually very interesting because, of course, drow culture being what it is, for the longest time he mentioned that all anyone talked about was, no, drow are evil, drow are evil, drow are evil. And here he is supposed to make a drow good character. <laughs> so he's he's trying to show how that came about. Excellent. Well, we'll, we'll have to take a look at that then.